Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. First question for you. How does it feel to be a married man? I'm not married. I guess, yeah, you're right. <laughs> engaged, good one. <laughs> engaged. It feels good, man. It feels really good. Does it feel different? Um, some, yes. Some people think it feels super different. Some people are just oh, yeah. not nothing. It absolutely is. Yeah. We've talked about it several times. Good. Just um, like uh, just and, knowing that the... You and Joe's have. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just knowing the commitment's there now. Yeah. That like, I mean, it always has been, but... It, it's solidified. Yeah. yeah. So. I think when I put a ring on, like, it was, like... Things change. Doubled. Yeah. Because I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's why, like, I think she probably feels it even more intensely. Because now every time she looks at a ring or hand, she sees a ring. You yeah. know what I mean? But it was dope, though. The the. Do you want to tell tell the story at all? Just because uh, it's... Yeah. I'll tell it. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> For a month or so, I've had a proposal planned. Um, we, I decided to do it at a buddy's house down in Palm Springs. Um, last year, I went there, or every year for the last four years, we've gone on a trip the same weekend in September. Usually, it's just like three or four guys. And then this year, everybody had everybody had girlfriends, so we decided to invite them too. And so that's when I decided I was going to propose to Josephine, my fiance now and but last year we went on this waterfall hike in palm springs which when we went on it i was like i told myself man this is where i want to propose there's a, a really cool like super flat rock that looks over the valley where everybody stands and take pictures and stuff and then you keep hiking up and there's a waterfall with a rock and stuff you can swim around and do whatever so um this past weekend well i don't know about when this airs but um the weekend of the 19th of September, we flew down to Bone Springs um, Thursday and then Friday. I don't know how much detail I should get into it, but it's not, it's just. I mean. So pretty much fr- Friday night, we went out to dinner and had a bunch of drinks and then partied Friday night. So um, Saturday morning came along and uh, I told Josephine that we wanted to go on this hike that we've been, t- I've been talking about. Um, for a long, since the last year I went on it. Yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, sounds good. Um, she, she had a brunch planned at 11 or 1130. So she was, I was like, perfect. We'll go at like 745, get it done. It's about an hour and a half, two hours max. If we hang out at the waterfall and right. kind of take our time. And so, uh, we left the house around 735, maybe 730, whatever. It takes about 15, 20 minutes to get there. And my buddy, uh, his father has a really nice um, Aston Martin. Martin. Yeah, yeah, it's like a two. It's a, like a 2004 convertible. It's the one that Pierce Bronson uh, drove in 007. Sick! Oh my god, that thing hurt. I felt like the idle put. Like you moved forward while it idled. Yeah. It was it was that <laughs> strong. Yeah, 
So anyway, uh, so anyway, I was super hyped to drive. Oh, he, he asked me if I wanted to take the Aston Martin to the, uh, hike. And I was like, absolutely. So he let me. And so I pull out of the driveway and, you know, go down the hill, see what it has. And then, uh, about 10 minutes into the drive, I'm sitting there at a red light and just chilling and the front t- right tire explodes. So it literally just exploded. Yeah. Got him. There we go. Uh, yeah. Fuck that fly. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, but it, you didn't run over anything. It just, I'm just chilling and just <laughs> looking at Joe's and like there was a Range Rover next to me and I just like was in and boom. It oh, just, it was loud. Yeah. I mean, well, relatively. Yeah. You could hear it. Tire popping. Yeah. And the guy in the Range Rover had his top down too and, or he had like a sunroof and windows down because it was hot. And he goes, oh shit. I was like, Dude, what in the hell? This is on the way to the hike where I was planning on propose, or I was going to propose to Josephine. And I'm like, I have a $200,000 car with a blown right tire yeah. that I'm responsible for right now. One thing I will add to that too, just to <laughs> make it even more interesting, is you guys are both really hungover. Yeah, yeah. And it's 100, 100? No, no, well, at 745, it was like... Uh, okay. High 80s, okay, almost 90. It was miserably hot when I landed. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that makes by sense. that time it was yeah. miserably hot. Yeah. So anyway, so this is like 7:35, 7:40 when the tire blows, and just for reverence, I had a I hired a photographer to be to hide on the hike so he could take you know candid photos and then run up when uh, I'm I was proposing to take you know action shots or whatever. Right. So he gets to the hike at 7.30 a.m. because we were going to meet there at 7.45 and then go on our business. And the tire blows, and he's at the hike. And so anyway, I, long story short, I pull into the parking lot to the gas station next to where I was to fill, up, fill the tire up with air. And I get the thing hooked up, and the whole sidewall is just blown open. Shredded. Shredded. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know, what the hell? And so, uh, yeah, Call uh, call Thomas in a panic, and he's like, "Yeah, just um, pretty much told me, respectfully told me to figure it out because he was he was golfing and and <laughs> I'm I, golfing, bro. Yeah, <laughs> figure it figure, out, <laughs> figure it out. And so, uh, luckily, I have USAA and uh, shout out USAA, amazing, <laughs> amazing company. They uh, they I called them for my roadside assistance, and they were like, "Well, you don't have an Aston Martin on your policy, sir." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, I had to explain it to him. They're like, all right, well, you have full coverage, so we'll help you out. Sent a tow truck. I'm not going to get a bunch of details, but uh, they sent a tow truck. And, oh, yeah, and the Aston Martin's a convertible. So yeah. the top was down because it was so hot. And so they were like, all right, uh, tow truck will be there about an hour and a half. And uh, Thomas was like, just lock the car up. Make sure everything's locked. Put it in a like, safe spot at the gas station. Go do your hike, and we'll take care of it. I was like, all right, sweet. So I called the tow truck. And then since the top and down, Josephine, I was trying to put the convertible top up and it wouldn't go up. <laughs> I'm like, what? And it, we pre- we unlocked all the levers to like make it go up and press the button, did everything we could. And I called Thomas again and trying to figure it out. Wouldn't work. And I can't leave this car yeah. with the top down in the middle of Palm Springs. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm not going to make it to this hike. Like, She's probably, like, over it. Oh, my God. She was just, like, and she knew I was 
damn near crying, dude. And I was in a panic. I was like, dude, I don't know what's going on. But she, she tells me, she read my body language. She, she yeah. knew something was going on. She knew I wanted to go on this hike for some reason really bad. And I was getting emotional about it and stuff. So she just, she was quiet the whole time. She just sat there and tried to sleep <laughs> because she was hung over. So, uh, so anyway, like 20 minutes later, like Josephine was just like sitting there and she pressed the button and it happened to work. I don't know what happened. We did nothing different. Just kept pushing it like 45, 50, 60 <laughs> times. So anyway, the top went up. I was like, yes, we got the top up. We can lock it up. Uh, tow truck coming. So I get it. I call an Uber. And then she was like, wow, we're really going to take an Uber to this hike. Like, why don't we just go home and sleep? And I was yeah. like, nope, we're going. So call an Uber. He comes around. I see, or I see the Uber on my app and it pulls into a hotel, like a Hilton Inn or something across the main street. So, uh, I'm like, hey, sit here, Joe's. I'll run across the street, and I'll get this Uber. I run across the street. As I see the Uber, some guy gets in my Uber, and they take off. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you just jacked my Uber. Like, I need that, and I'm trying to be at the hike at a certain time. Like, no way. So, instantly, I'm not trying to have this guy take an Uber ride on my credit card. So, I cancel it, and... I, I get a hold of the Uber driver. I'm like, yo, what the hell, man? Like, did you ask that guy his name? Like, that's not me. That, or, you know, it's not yeah. Travis. What are you, where are you going? He's like, what do you mean? And he asked the guy. He's like, oh, crap. I'll turn around and I'll be right there. So I come back around. Or he, he turns around down the street or whatever, comes back. The other guy just gets out of the Uber and walks away. I'm just like, <laughs> what did he say? Like, like the nothing. Guy's like, he didn't even, hey. like, hardly give me eye contact. I'm like, what's up? Why did you get in here? But, I mean, what did he say to the Uber driver? You know what I mean? Because the Uber driver's probably like, oh. You're not Travis? And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. You got me. Yeah, probably like, oh, I picked the wrong Uber or something. But yeah. why did the Uber driver not ask his name? Yeah. Like, verify who he's, you know, it's not some murderer? That's da- yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, just picking up Randy. So anyway, I didn't have the energy at this point. Like, this is, that was like 7.35 when the tire blew. This is 9, 9.15. I mean, it's over an hour and a half, like, trying to get USA, trying to get everything yeah. figured out. And so I didn't have the energy to even fight. So anyway, the guy's like, hey, you need to request a new ride since I canceled it on your phone so we can connect with my phone so we can do the ride. Well, I did that like five, six, seven times and it kept connecting to other Uber drivers. And I was like, listen, dude, in a full on panic, I was like, I need your help. Like, just help me any way you can. Take me to this hike. I don't care. I'll give you $100 cash, like blah, blah. And I just, or I think I said, I have plenty of cash to pay you, like whatever. Yeah. So he's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take cash. So we go over across the street, pick Josephine up. We go to the hike. Oh, another big port detail. This hike in Palm Springs has, oh, I already told it. It has a big waterfall at the top, right? Right, right. We drive like 15 minutes to the uh, hike at the beginning of it, and we pull into the parking lot, and there's a big-ass billboard. It says, waterfall is dry. <laughs> I'm you like, tell me that. Part. What? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. What, what else could go wrong this morning? Like, unless she, I hope she says yes. Like, so uh, Joseph at that point was like, you still want to go on this hike? Yeah. Like after all the trouble we've gone to and the waterfalls dry, what do you want to do here? Just like, kneel down in the parking lot. Yeah. Okay, fuck it. <laughs> I was like, uh, well, I'm like, I just want to do this hike. I need some stress relief. Like, I don't remember what I said. I was so flustered, dude. I was so pissed. And I'm like, whatever, just follow me. Yeah. And so we went out, uh, after like probably 10, 15 minutes of the hike, she was starting to feel a little bit better, like sweating bullets and stuff. Because by this time, you know, this is, this is almost 10 o'clock. It's 95. Yeah. You know, it's beating hot. Yeah. And so, uh, 
yeah, we get up like halfway of the hike and th- that's where, like I explained before, there was a uh, flat rock where people take a break and stuff. And I told her, yeah, let's go over here, sit down, take a break, you know, and we'll take a picture and then we'll head up to the waterfall. Well, we went up there, set up my camera like I was going to take a, you know, an automatic photo and I actually turned on like video. So I just started videoing and I did it. Uh, was shaking uncontrollably. Yeah. I was stuttering. I don't even know what I said. And I finally, she was like, what are you trying to do here? And I said, well, I have something to ask you. <laughs> Spit it out. So anyway, I uh, proposed to her and there was like, there was a bunch of people, probably like t- between 15 and 30 people on the hike oh, above wow. us. So they just started clapping and celebrating. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And pow- uh, the photographer ran out uh, behind the rocks and started taking pictures. Yeah. And then uh, somehow the hangovers went away right after that. Yeah, like man. we were just in the clouds, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but I remember landing in as soon as we landed, all the, like the texts come through, you know, and Cameron Andrews was like, Oh fuck to Aston Martin tire blew out. Then this, he's yeah. like, man, I was like, did he still do it? Yeah. And then I got a text popped up from Shannon. Cause Joe sent Shannon a picture of the ring. Oh yeah. And so I was like, Oh, apparently he did. Yeah. Crazy, and then you guys came back to the the house. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's so, waiting. Uh, so we we had like forty five minutes to an hour till the tow truck was supposedly going to be at the gas station. So we did a little engagement uh, session, and then we had Pow drive us to the gas station. Luckily, the car was still there, and so uh, the dude, we got to the gas station. I called USA back to see what ETA like for the tow truck, and they're like, "Oh yeah, tow truck company canceled." I'm <laughs> like, "What? You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll order a new one. And they, you know, t- five, ten minutes later, we're done. They're like, all right, they'll be there in an hour and a half. I'm like, dude, what the fuck, dude? Like, we don't got time for this. Yeah. Like, I have plans today. And so, anyway, lo- good thing is the tow truck company called me like 25 minutes later. They're like, we found a new driver. He'll be there in 10 minutes. Oh, nice. And I was like, fuck, okay, that's fine. And I literally, the new company, I said, listen, ma'am, whatever you do, please don't cancel like I have this is extremely important to me I will just please <laughs> she's like are you okay like I'm like no I'm not <laughs> she's like damn okay well we will get you so anyway the new driver got there took us a while to get it all hooked up and uh yeah got the paperwork signed had him send it back to Thomas's house and then by that time her brunch that she was planning on doing 11 yeah. this was 11:30 by now. Yeah. And so she was like, "Well, I guess we'll just go without getting ready." And so we took her and her friends from uh nursing school were there and had the cabana and table all set up and they already knew. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't really know about the car troubles, but right. they, they knew, knew I had proposed. Yeah. They got there at 10 a.m. cuz the, the uh brunch was supposed to be at 11. Yeah. We show up at 11:45. But yeah, after that, it was great. There was a few other obstacles, little stupid details, but yeah. That was it. Yeah. Pal's hotel. And yeah, it was cool too because you had everybody waiting for her that she didn't yeah. know that was. Oh yeah, there. she didn't even know that you and Cameron Andrews and Taylor and stuff were landing. Yeah. So and then all the girls like decorated the house and we just had a huge party. Yeah. And it was literally one of the best evenings of my entire life. So fun. Yeah. So much fun. I got so drunk, but <laughs> it was for the best reason ever, and everybody was there happy and having a great time. That was the worst headache I've had in. Years. Years. And I didn't, it wasn't the drunkest I've gotten in years. Yeah, no. But it's because we were drinking all day in the sun. Yeah. Just like literally just sitting by the pool. Yeah. For 10 hours. Yeah. Just drinking. Yeah. Fuck, dude, my head hurts so bad in the morning. But I don't think it ever goes actually well when you propose. Like, I, I've always. I was hoping better than that. But. Well, 
Yours is pretty damn bad, yeah. man. But, I mean. She said I, yes. I thought mine was kind of sketchy. Not sketchy, but, like, it was frustrating at first because my phone was about to die, and I was trying to get Shannon to walk out and do this. She basically had to walk outside to see this thing, and then that thing was going to lead her on, like, a scavenger hunt. Yeah. But she wouldn't come outside. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, calling her. I'm, like, hey, I need you to open the door for me. I've got a bunch of shit. No, I'm I'm uh, in the room, laying down. I'm like, come, just just open the door real quick. There's, I need you to do something for me. Cody, I don't even have a bra on. I'm not coming outside. And I was like, Shannon, if you don't come outside, I'm going to freak out. My phone's dying. Get outside. And I just hung up. And I was like across the street behind a sign watching the apartment to see if she would open the door. It took her forever, but she finally did, obviously. Um, but then same thing. When she went through the scavenger hunt, I snuck into the apartment. And when she came in, I was like shaking, just like you said. And it's funny because it's like, I know she's going to say yes. Yeah. I already got approval from her dad, which was the scariest part, which he actually said no at first. I don't know if I ever told you that. Yeah, yeah. But he literally just said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. What do you say? And yeah, then he, I had that thought too when I asked her mom. It's crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then I was just fucking freaking out. I was freaking out at my wedding too, though. You're going to do it again. Yeah. I was fucking I just don't like, like, nervous. Yeah. I don't like getting that personal in front of that many people. And, and But the proposal was obviously her. Yeah. But only thing I'm banking on with the proposal, I'm reading that thing off my phone. I'm, yeah. I'm not going off the top of the head. Because I had this whole thing. Like, I even said this about my best man speech to you. Like, yeah. I had this whole thing written out talking about how I wanted to get these details. And I got up there. I'm like, I love you, bro. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just blanked. And then yeah. I even stuttered. Like, and then I, cl- I grabbed my phone. Because yeah. I freak out when people are just sitting there, like, waiting for you to say something. But. My wedding, I have to read it because yeah. there's so much I want to say that it's personal. You guys me. gonna write your vows, or your not your vows? Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna just make it up <laughs> on the top of my head. No, what is, is it called? Your vows when you read the thing before? Yeah. Okay, but some people don't actually uh, write and read them out loud. You know, they have the person read them. I've never heard of that. Oh yeah, a lot of sometimes because I I was asked too. Like, are you gonna write and read your own vows in front of everybody? Somebody takes their vow. Some people don't read their vows. They take them and put them in a piece of paper and lock them in a box. Oh. In one or ten years, they open them up. Uh, if they're still married. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> saying, but yeah, that's what. They're um. Doing. So you guys are gonna read it in front of everybody? Because that was the most. I guess we haven't talked about it, but I plan to. Yeah, that was the most nerve-wracking part for me. Absolutely. It was like fuck. But you read it, didn't you? Oh yeah. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah I had yeah. a piece of paper. They yeah. printed out like on a nice paper, and I just read the whole thing, but. That shit was emotional. It's, it's and it's weird confessing your love to somebody 100%. in front of a hundred people. Hundred <laughs> percent. I was like, that's what got me on the proposal. Like, it it, it was just nerve wracking. Like, I'm telling you, literally how I feel in my heart. Yeah. Like, and, and I tell her I love her every day, but it's like it's different. Oh, yeah. It was different. Yeah. Like, my voice was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I I mean, like. You've been to seminars. I speak in front of 30, 50. Yeah, dude. I spoke in front of 130 people at that yeah. one event in Arizona. I'm cool. Yeah. Just fucking going. But something like that, I was so nervous. Yeah. And I was a wreck all day. You remember? I yeah. was just nervous as hell. Some of you guys are like, I'll have a drink. I'm like, no, I can't. Like, yeah. I'm just fucking pacing back yeah. and forth. Forgot the cake. That was horrible. <laughs> that was my only responsibility for the whole day. <laughs> Cody, I just need to do one thing. Dude, bring I remember cake. we were in that room and... When her mom came in, or sister, it was her mom. It was her mom. Yeah, it was her mom. Her mom and no. Alex. Alex Lynn was right next. Because to her. you were like, "Don't tell her mom." No, I said, "Don't tell Shannon." I know, but it, it was her mom. I remember. Okay. Anyway, but you, dude, I was saying next to your eyes just fucking shot, just like as soon as she's like, "Where's cake? the cake at?" Deer in headlights. Oh my god! <laughs> what did she say? She said, 
You're kidding. No, she said like, no, you fucking didn't, Cody. <laughs> and I just was like, don't tell Shannon. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I was dying. Oh, that was good. Anyway. Cameron Andrews brought it. But yeah, that was good. Dude, I got more engagement on the story of the tarantula than anything I've ever gotten on engagement on Instagram. I swear. People were freaking the fuck out. Yeah. thing was huge. Huge. Were you right there when we saw it? No, I was sleeping. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Thomas is like, guys, I think there's a tarantula in the garage. And I was like, bro. Okay. There's not a fucking tarantula in your garage. Come look at this thing. Lo and behold. (laughs) Lo and behold, there's this fucking huge tarantula crawling across the wall. That was a scary. That was huge. That was fur on it. I was watching the video, so you can't see it in the video I put on my story. There was fur on it. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I went to the other side of the shelf, and I put my hand on the wall because I wanted it to crawl closer so you could see how big it was compared to my hand in the yeah. video. And now I watch it. I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> Imagine if it just leaked yeah. on my hand, yeah. and then Thomas tries to smash it. It falls underneath the shelf but didn't die. Yeah. Like, what happened to it? I don't even know how I slept that night. Fucking tarantula running around. Yeah. That was trippy, but it was a good trip. Was oh, a yeah. Trip. It was, it was awesome. So, anyway, there's my engagement story, guys. Yeah. I just wanted you to tell it because it was kind of like, it was a great story, but it was like so nerve-wracking. Yeah. Maybe I'll air this sooner. Yeah. But dope. Not, not so irrelevant. All right. Well, today is a Q&A. So, we got a bunch of questions we're going to run through. Um, are they a certain color? I should have this up. All right. Yellow. Okay. Here we go. Um, first one comes from Lauren M. Roberts. It says, I have a male client, 39 years old, whose goal is to be lean and gain muscle. He works out a lot and does a ton of cardio. He has skinny arms and legs and a belly. If, if I set up his macros to maintenance, he's not eating enough. With an importance of him getting enough protein, will the midsection fat go away with less cardio and more weights? His mindset is to do cardio to lose the belly fat, which I think is causing him to retain the fat. It's possibly too too much stress for his body. Another thought is what's what's up with skinny lay skinny arms and legs and belly fat in general? <laughs> like like what's up with having that? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm assuming she's she's saying that she brought him to maintenance and it's still like he's not eating enough or mm-hmm. something like that. Because um, it was kind of weird how that was worded. I think there's a few things to cover on this one. The first one being that like. No specific thing is going to directly burn belly fat. So like she said, he thinks cardio, like it's good to teach them and educate your client. Cardio doesn't burn belly fat. Cardio burns calories. It just increases energy expenditure. It puts you in a bigger deficit. And the grand total of your daily calories ends up getting lower, which allows you to slowly lose weight over time, which is going to lead to losing belly fat. But for a lot of people like him and the reason why his legs are skinny and his arms are skinny, but it's not his uh, belly is because guys preferentially store body fat on their low back sides and stomach. Yeah. Right. Um, if they have uh, testosterone issues and or estrogen imbalances and stuff, they could get um, more like chest fat too, like breast enlargement essentially. But usually they don't like I can be at the end of my bulk, not see a single ab and my shoulders have striations in it because mm. I just don't store fat on my arms or my legs. I can flex my quad and I can see separation yeah. from my rectus femoris to my two lateral heads and everything. And I don't have a single ab because <laughs> it's like I'm, I've been bulking and that's the only place I'm going to store fat while I'm bulking is my abs, which is usually the place people don't want to store fat. Um, so with him, like the reason he's in this position where his arms are skinny, his legs are pr- pretty skinny and he's still got a belly is because 
he, that's the definition of skinny fat. And it's mainly because he doesn't have muscle. So for him, somebody like that, he just needs to build muscle and it'll proportion out. And I guarantee his belly will look smaller just because he'll put on some muscle, shoulders, arms, chest, lats, um, legs, and then he just looks bigger and then he just has a little belly. So what I like doing with those people, get them to maintenance so they just feel good. Focus on building muscle. Put them through like a bodybuilding program. Trying to build muscle um, and recomp. This is a, an individual who who absolutely can recomp. It takes longer, so you want to spend six months. But you could put them at maintenance. Implement some cardio, but not too much. Like more conditioning, so like some high intensity, low intensity, four to five days of lifting, and keep them at maintenance with a higher than normal protein intake. So one to one point two grams per pound, probably. And just just coast and just wait. And I, I would assume that his weight won't change, but he'll just get leaner and leaner and his belly will go away because he'll be adding muscle to those skinny areas and then removing fat sure. on his belly. Um, so recomp is one of those tricky subjects where it can't always happen. Like we had we had somebody in the mentorship group ask, uh, which just went live this week, and it's been dude, so much engagement in that Good. group. It's insane. Good. Um, it's going really well. It's really cool. Um, and we'll definitely be running this again for any of the coaches listening. Uh, I believe we're going to launch January 1st, so just keep an eye out for it. But um, he asked about recomping for one of his clients, and I answered it in a comment, and the comment was literally so fucking long because I was like, well, in this situation, it would be like this. In this situation, we'd do this. In this situation, we'd see this. And it was just like, and then at the end, I literally go, and sorry for not actually giving you an answer inside of your answer (laughs) (laughs) because, like, I didn't tell him anything black and white. But this is a scenario where I think recomp is probably possible. It's going to be hard for him to build muscle because he's older. I think she said he's older, right? Yeah. Older client. Yep. I don't know if she said the exact age, but. 39. 39, that's not bad. Like, I, I usually, and it depends on his training history. So, if you go, oh, he's a 39-year-old that just started lifting last year. Yeah. I'm like, he's not going to build as much muscle as a 20-year-old who just started lifting last year. But he's going to build muscle because adaptations are still going to occur if it's a new stimulus. But if he's a 39-year-old that has been training since he was 20 years old, I'm going to be like. Uh, yeah. just focus on losing fat and not, but at the same time, he probably wouldn't have skinny arms and legs if that was he has case. never changed, yeah. uh, if he's been training for 20 years. Um, but yeah, I think she's basically just asking what to do about that, right? Yeah. So I, I would bring him to maintenance. I would push for one to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight and protein. Um, I'd preferentially have carbs higher than fats. I'd probably have fats around 0.3 to 0.4. Uh, 0.35 to 0.4 grams per pound and then put the rest of carbs. Just those carbs go straight to, to training hard, recovering, filling up muscle glycogen, which will help his arms look bigger once he starts training them right. And make sure he's on a good training program. He should be on like an upper lower split four days a week doing some strength and doing some bodybuilding. Yeah. Because if he's doing CrossFit or something like that, he's just not going to build enough muscle to see that recomp like he wants to see. For sure. But So the next question is from adrian ling i have heard and read so much about macro timing however carbs make me so sleepy i work out mid-morning so i have been carb loading before and after my workout i am beyond exhausted come post lunch i feel so much better having protein and fats during the day and having carbs at dinner pre-bed will i lose muscle mass doing it this style I don't think you'll lose any muscle mass. The only downside could be potentially building less muscle mass. Gotcha. And it might be a very, very small, like I I think it it really depends. And this is where it's one of those things where if I can look at your physique, like you take a progress photo, I can look at your numbers that you're hitting in the gym and I can look at your history. Then I can give you a better answer of like, we got to do something because 
we got to get some carbs around there because you're an advanced lifter who already is reaching their genetic ceiling. So we have to pull out every little minor detail we can in order to give you the best result possible. Like the things that are splitting hairs for most people, that it's just like 1% difference. They're going to matter to the advanced lifter that, that is that deep in the game. Definitely. So it, it depends on that. But I think that you could try one of two things. You could either a still push your carbs to the evening. I would push them all to like after three, four, five p.m. You know, like right at dinner and yeah, like yeah. a di- dinner have a big bowl of carbs and then like a carb slash protein based snack at night because your muscle glycogen stores fill up and then they're going to be reserved. So you're not going to deplete completely from one session unless you're really, really lean. You're doing a really high volume workout, so most likely your training is going to be totally fine in the morning. Um, I wouldn't have too much protein and fats pre-workout in the morning just because it's like fats such a slow digestion nutrient your gut's just going to feel like shit while you're trying to lift which is just not optimal it's not going to make you lose muscle but nobody wants bubble guts while they're trying to train yeah so uh i would probably just have like a protein shake go to work but like ideally what i would do is have a like a protein shake and a banana something that is not that much carbs it's fast digesting it'll give you a little bit of energy and then maybe have like an intro workout shake so highly branched cyclic dextrin dextrose something like that or even gatorade while you train with some amino acids and then have just protein and fats until your carbs evening because i think for most people if you just have that intro workout carbohydrate shake it's so fast digesting mm-hmm. and it gets used right away you usually don't have that that feeling where you bog down and a lot of times that feeling the, the feeling is common because carbohydrates increase insulin drop cortisol and and put you into a parasympathetic state in most cases sure. um after a little bit it, i don't want to say all the time because people respond differently to carbs and carbs are good pre-workout so it's not like you're gonna eat carbs and everybody gets sleepy like yeah. i have to eat carbs before i train but uh, carbs can make you sleepy if you have a big dosage. So you might just need to have a little bit less during that time or just do an intra-workout so it gets utilized right away. Um, and it might depend on on what you're eating with those carbs too because like you've ever heard uh, – there's a Seinfeld episode about <laughs> it, but <laughs> like uh, like tryptophan and yep. getting – like so Thanksgiving yep, dinner. Yep, yep. So what happens with that is is turkey is really high in an amino acid called tryptophan. And tryptophan can increase serotonin and help you sleep. It kind of like gets you into that restful state. Well, carbohydrates can influence that Mm. to make the rate go up. Mm. So when you're eating Thanksgiving dinner and you're having all those mashed potatoes and biscuits and stuffing, it's all these carbs and all the turkey, you're just tired as fuck. In the the episode of uh, Seinfeld, Seinfeld, uh, he's dating this girl who has all... It's Jerry. Okay. He's dating this girl who has all these... her dad collected toys and then her dad passed away. So she kept them all. So he, she has all these toys that he grew up playing with. And so he tells George about it and they want to play with them, but she won't let him touch them. So they bring a ton of turkey and gravy and like Thanksgiving stuff over, like just like have a big turkey dinner to get her to fall asleep. Yeah. And she passes out and then they can play with the toys uh. and they keep coming back for like turkey. dinner. It's really funny. But, um, essentially what I was getting at is if you have, too big of a meal of carbs and protein, it could just be that. It could be the tryptophan effect. It could be just putting you out. Um, and you might want to push that to later in the day. But if you have a whey 
shake with a banana or intra-workout carbs with aminos, it's not, I, I highly doubt that's going to happen. So if you're pretty lean and you're really focused on building muscle, I would probably put some of those easier carbs in the morning that aren't going to have that effect. Move the rest of your carbs tonight. Um, if you're more focused on fat loss, just move all the carbs tonight. Don't worry about it because it's not the end of the world. And just test your lifts. You know, like if, you, if you're tracking your weights, you move all your carbs away from your training and none of your weights go down, then it means you're carb loading at night enough to supply energy for those morning workouts. You don't have to worry about it. But if you notice that what you're able to lift for five reps, six reps, eight reps, whatever, is just slowly declining or kind of takes a hit and it won't come back up, then you know it's not a coincidence. Yeah. It's, it's because you're not having enough carbs during your workout. For sure. So. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. But I wanted to pop in real quick and shout out my sponsor, Legion Athletics. Legion Athletics is the number one brand of all-natural sports supplements in the world. They are naturally sweetened and flavored supplements that are scientifically backed with good ingredients and proper doses, which is pretty rare in the supplement space, to be honest with you. And you get 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. So if you hate the product, which probably won't happen, you can get all your money back. Right now, you can head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom and save 20% off your first order and start getting loyalty points so you can get free supplements in the future. Legion is literally a company that I've been using for years, not only for myself, but also with my family and with all of my clients. They have some great products for sports performance and health, and I really can't say enough about who they are as a brand, their transparency, because they are one of the only supplement companies that actually says nutrition and training is more important than supplements. So they are very honest, they are very science-driven and evidence-based, and they are the real deal when it comes to the top quality supplements that you can get on the market. So once again, head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom and save today. Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the episode. All right, well, next uh, question is from Katie Mitchell. She said, I listened to episode 342 on reverse and recovery diets. My question is, I have been in a deficit for a long time just trying to stay lean, and my hormones are out of whack. How do I know what my maintenance is after so long in a deficit? Well, that's great a really qu- good question. Great question. Um, by the way, if there's any listener who, who really, really loves this podcast and you want to donate a fly swatter that shocks flies yeah we would love it if you sent one in have you ever seen those those look like yeah. look like a tennis racket yeah you can also get them at the dollar store they sell them at the dollar store absolutely i have to get one because <laughs> this fly is driving me crazy and it's always like just like one or two flies in yeah. here and it just doesn't fucking leave we just clean took out the garbage what's going on man they love it's it. that food you left over there all right keep going <laughs> <laughs> all right um okay so how do you know where to f- where to find your reverse diet so like I think number one, how do you find maintenance after being in a deficit so long? Right. Number one, go check out the blog that it's probably linked in that podcast. If not, we'll link it in this one, but go check out the, the reverse diet blog because there's a graph in there that shows you like, like basically weights dropping with calories mm-hmm. and then you increase to a certain point and there's like a red arrow there saying like reverse to here first and then slowly increase. So it can give you a good idea of like an image of a periodization plan with reverse dieting, like what you should do. But typically what I try to tell people is, is go halfway. So there's no way to tell like exactly like I can't say increase by 25% the first time because it depends on the things I always say, intensity, duration, frequency. How often have you dieted? How long were you dieting? And how aggressive were you dieting? Um, Because the longer or more aggressive or more frequent, the less likely you are to be able to make a big jump and not gain a bunch of weight. Because 
your metabolism has just been more adapted for a long time. So I typically say halfway through. So if you if you started at 2,000 calories and you dieted down to, I don't know, 1,300 calories, I would probably go somewhere between 16 to 1650, like right in the middle. You yeah. know what I mean? Like make a jump where it's literally 50% because that's most likely going to be at the bottom of your maintenance range now. It might be right in the middle of your maintenance range because your metabolism did slow down a little bit. Uh, but it has to be significant enough for you to feel better in general. And one way you can test this out is with diet breaks. So if you've been taking diet breaks or refeeds while you've been reverse dieting, decide that like, okay, so maybe I'm eating 200 protein, 150 carb. 50 fat. That's my dieting macros. Maybe I do this calculation about halfway up means I'm going to go 200, 255. So two, added 50 grams carbs, add five grams of fat. Well, take a diet break for three days. Mm-hmm. Try that intake out and see what happens. If you take that, you feel way fucking better. You sleep better. Your training's better. Your mood's better. Your stress goes down and you lose the weight that's gained during that diet break within a few days then that's probably a safe bet to jump to. Um, if you gain a couple pounds and it lingers for a week long or more, then you probably overshot that and your metabolism isn't ready to catch up that quick and gotcha. you probably have to go a little bit lower. Um, so it's just a good way to kind of test it out because typically when we take a refeed, we know that you know one gram of carb holds three to four grams of water and that's going to cause you to retain water and gain weight during a refeed or diet break. But that should dissipate pretty quick. It, it should go away. So if it's I usually see people lose that weight they gain within three days. Uh, but if it proceeds on longer, then I think we have an issue. And that's where we have to take a step back and go, okay, maybe maybe we'll go 175 grams carbs instead of 200 carbs on that bump. Um, so I can't give you a black and white answer. Uh, I would check out the reverse dieting blog. I, I, I want to say it's just, just go to, if you go to tailoredcoachingmethod.com and you search reverse diet, there's so much content on that. Um, and you can just search on the blog and you'll see the podcast, the video, everything. Um, go check that out. Look at the graph and just know that you should probably go halfway up towards your old maintenance because that's probably going to be close to your new maintenance. And after that, you might be able to slowly inch it up to get closer and closer to your old maintenance, which was 2000 calories. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. We'll link that in there. Um, next question is Valerie zero eight zero nine. How do you determine what coaches to pair with which clients? Um, if I'm on the call, if I take the call, uh, like the new client call where they apply and Tori reached out to him, sets up a phone call with me, um, which I, I genuinely enjoy doing mm-hmm. because a lot of times they are podcast listeners. So it's cool to hear the listener talk sure. to me. Um, if that's the case, I'm kind of just interviewing them, trying to figure out their history, their current training, their goals and their personality type. I'm trying to pick up on along the way. And by the end of our 15 to 30 minute call, I'm going to know enough, uh, enough to know like, okay, like I can tell you right now, no matter what the person's goal is, I don't really have anybody on my team that I don't trust giving that we're all going to be able to do everything. So it's, it's really more about the personality type. So if I'm listening to somebody and I think they would respond better with positive affirmations versus negative motivation, which is two completely polar opposites, right? Like Positive affirmations is me like patting you on the butt, telling you good job, like encouraging you with really good positivity, which most of us love. Yeah. But for some people, that's not enough accountability to get their shit together. Yeah. Right. So some other people need negative motivation. Like, let me explain to you what's going to happen if we don't do this. Like, let me show you the bad or what you're trying to get away from the pain that is that is already with you. That's going to continue to linger if you don't make these changes. Some people respond better to that. So. 
what coaches do better with each. Um, just the assessment. The assessment. And, and I've been working with all of them for so long that I know which ones do best with uh, reverse diet clients, for example, because I know the mental burden that reverse dieting can be, and I know which clients do better with that. Um, I know which coaches are the best for, like, the geeky clients. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, like, somebody who, like, really wants to learn, has science. a ton of questions, loves the science. I know exactly who I'm going to pair you with. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um it just kind of depends, you know, and then there's even people where I've had, I've had conversations where they're like, okay, I really want a guy to work with me because yeah. I'm a guy and I just want a guy and I'm like, all right, cool. Or I've had women there that said, I respond way better to men. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll pair you with a guy. So, um, it, it, it's kind of a back and forth. A lot of it is just personality typing mm-hmm. and just kind of trying to read into the individual I'm talking to. Um, and then if I don't take the call, it's, it's making an assessment off of the application. So yeah. when we get an application in, especially when it has actual good info and they give me some depth in it. Um, I usually have a really good idea of who's going to pair best with them. Uh, and so I'll send that, that application right to the coach. The coach reaches out to them, gets on the phone with them um, before signing them up and getting them started just to make sure it's a good fit. Um, and then lastly, uh, the only other thing that influences it is client rosters. So some of my coaches' rosters are full and we're not going to over create overcapacity because then they're not able to deliver the value or the the level of service that yeah. we expect to provide um, as a company. So um, that influences it as well. If somebody's full, then nobody's going there, you know? So it kind of depends. Yeah. Touche. Um, all right. This one comes from Sue Many Recipes. I'm assuming maybe their name's Sue. Must be. Maybe. Uh, how much, if any... Cardio should be done during a maintenance and or building phase. Um, I think for building phase, like very, very minimal. Is that saying that it's bulk? bulk? Yeah. Yeah. Just if you're trying to gain weight, gain yep. size. Um, you don't want to do too much because if you do too much, you're just burning too many calories. And if you're burning too many calories, you're going to be in a deficit. And yeah. you can't – I mean, you can build muscle in a deficit uh, because recomp is possible, but it's just very rare and it's, depend, it's highly dependent on the situation, right? Like – you have to be a newbie. You have to be already skinny fat or you have to completely dr- like dramatically change. Maybe you're doing CrossFit and then you for years and then you shift 100% to dedicated bodybuilding. You probably could see a recomp. Um, or if you're really fucking dialed in. Like I've seen advanced people recomp because we're like, all right, nutrient timing, meal timing, exact macros. You're weighing everything. Fiber's on point. Sleep is on point. Training's on point. You're progressing over. T- like every minor detail is so locked in that it's like it's, it's impossible to not recomp you know for sure um but i think in general if you're trying to build you should do the minimal amount of cardio needed just to maintain healthy energy systems Um, because that's going to help you utilize carbs and fats for fuel it's going to help you recover faster during your workout so between reps between sets between sessions Mm -hmm. your body's able to pull in more oxygen and utilize more oxygen more effectively and efficiently, which is going to lead to better recovery for training. But you don't need that much in order to uh, get that effect. So like for me during my building phase, when we were doing six days a week, uh, my, my cardio was just my steps. I just, just like, I'm just going to go on a couple walks a day and just like pick up the pace just to make sure I'm doing something. When we shifted to five days, I added a conditioning day. So it was like more lower intensity, but it was like the rower or the assault bike or the sled, but I'm doing something for a 20 to 30 minute period sustained because I wanted to work on those energy systems. And now that I'm in a cut, we're doing four days of lifting, two days of conditioning. So obviously as you shift gears towards a cut, you're going to do more. But I think even in a building phase or a maintenance phase, 
you should probably be doing at least one day, if not two. Um, I always tell people like, I think everybody should be moving six days a week. Some people seven. I mean, cause your seventh day could be like, I'm going to take my dog on a 30 minute walk. Yeah. It's not going to harm your recovery. If anything, it's going to make it better cause it's peaceful. It's stress relieving. But if you're not getting any cardio in, we're missing out on a lot of good benefits for health, cardiovascular health, immune function. Um, like I said, recovery, oxygen consumption, uh, everything. So, uh, utilization of nutrients in the body. I would, I would basically all my clients do some, no matter what, where they're at. But yeah. usually when somebody's building, I like five days lifting one day of conditioning or cardio. If they're cutting, it's usually four days of lifting, uh, which five days of lifting you can still do when you're cutting. It'll maintain muscle good. But a lot of times as we go into a deficit, stress goes up, right? Because you're dropping calories. So cortisol is going to go up. Stress is a little bit higher. You're not going to have as much energy coming in. It's just hard to train that often with intensity that hard um yeah so like even i mean yesterday dude like yesterday's session literally cj texted me he's like i don't think i, I can't feel my legs dude this <laughs> after the we were literally just sitting there afterwards like holy shit and yeah. we're both on a cut right now um and you can feel it but if i was doing five days a week i wouldn't have been able to push that fucking hard yeah but because we're only doing four days like I can push really hard when I'm in it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. A lot of people, a lot of people just don't train hard enough. That's another added benefit of like, or added reason why people can't recomp. You're just not training hard enough. Like you're doing an RPE eight or an RIR of two, but I watched that and your first rep looks the same as your ninth and 10th rep, which tells me that you're not two reps shy from failure. Load the weight. You're exactly add weight or add reps because your last rep should be way fucking harder than your first and it should be really close to failure. Like yeah. you want to get to that last point and be like, oh, there's not that much I can do. And even last night, uh, we worked up to 425 pounds on, on the trap bar yeah. for sets of three. And I walked into it like I'm going to do 365 today. Like that's where my RPE eight is, mm -hmm. right? If I read the paper and I look at the percentage and I think of RPE and my history, I'm like, that's my art. That's my weight. And I went off of intuition and feeling, and we actually didn't count the weight on the plates. We we're like, let's just keep going and follow our intensity and our effort and where we feel like how good we feel. And I got up to 425 for three and CJ went to 495 for one. He yeah. only got one on that, but still, it, yeah, it was funny too. Cause like, he started lifting me in January and he was like, one of my goals, I want to deadlift 500 pounds. And he was way away from doing that because deadlift was one of his weaker lifts. And, uh, and I was like, all right, we could probably get there, you know, eventually. And we just started adding plates. And afterwards we counted it. I was like, oh dude, you should have put two and a half on there. <laughs> Cause you got that good. But it was after you lift 495 yep. once, you're like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> not for weeks. But I was like, don't worry, man, you could probably do 500, <laughs> but you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that answers the question, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. What is the uh, what did you say that the October uh, research roundup is on? Uh, not to put you on the spot. Yeah. No <laughs> shit. Concurrent training. I think. Uh, I think one was. Concurrent. I thought it, I thought it was alcohol. But no, we already we already did the alcohol. One. Oh, okay. Yep, the alcohol one's already out, so we can link that in the show notes. September. Yep, September's was alcohol. All right, that's relevant to the next question. It says, uh, the person asked the question is Landis, Landis121. When you have a few beers or drinks, do you tend to try and make up for it by eating less? Question mark. I think it's metabolic flex, uh, it's metabolic adaptation and, uh, concurrent training. Yeah. I think that's what it is for next month. Okay. I know it's metabolic adaptation because, 
that's a topic that's been hit on so many times and a lot of people are so afraid of it. And I'm really excited for this one to go out because we kind of talk about how it's really not as big of a deal as yeah. you think it is, uh, which is different than what most people talk about. So a couple, a couple episodes ago when, I don't know if it was this, uh, I can't remember if it was the way we do things at TCM or one of the other Q&As, but you were talking about concurrent training. I think that's what you said also. It might have been the training FAQ. Might have been, yeah. yeah. Um, which I, I, I'm super fascinated by concurrent training because, like, and I'm super fascinated by high-level crossers, like people in the cross games. I watch all those documentaries and everything because, like, how how can you run a half marathon deadlift 600 pounds, clean and press 300 pounds, and sprint faster than anybody. Like, you can do all, like, you have, you're like four different athletes who aren't supposed to be good at the other things. Yeah. And you're good at all of them. <laughs> like, what the fuck? This yeah. defies, like, periodization and science. I love it. Athlete. It's, yeah. And it makes me feel like just a big wimp. There just, like, go. pathetic, <laughs> honestly. But, uh, anyway. Um, I do. I typically, I, I usually took, I recommend a few things like the best way to go about it, in my opinion, is to have protein and greens for the day and then have whatever you want to drink and eat at night. So that's typically what I'll do. Like I'll wake up and have like an egg white omelet with spinach and mushrooms and just like salsa or something on it. But it's basically like it's less than 10 grams of carbs, zero fat, and it's pretty high protein fills me up. There's fiber, there's micronutrients, there's vitamin minerals in it, and it's and it's getting my protein in. A few hours later, I'll have maybe like two scoops of whey protein and a greens drink, mm-hmm. right? Still really low calorie, high protein, fills me up, get, getting my nutrients, but I'm, I go into dinner with tons of carbs and tons of fats left over in my diet, and then I can have whatever I want to drink, and then whatever we're going to eat on the side, is, I'm probably going to be fine because mm-hmm. I probably have 2,000 calories left still. Um, the other way you could do it is if you don't want to eat just protein during the day, you could just fast, so you could fast until noon, have a lighter breakfast, and then you have plenty of room at night. Um, or if you really wanted to, like if you train Saturday morning and this is what I was doing too on my gaining phases during my gaining phase, I'm more serious about it now. Like I'll be pretty specific about fitting alcohol in and everything. But during my gaining phase, what I would do is I lifted Saturday morning and it was more important for me to be fueled for that workout than it was to like count my calories and watch. So I would eat normal Friday. I would eat normal Saturday morning, go train hard, eat normal post-workout. And I would go way over my calories at dinner with drinks and whatever Shannon was cooking. Right. And then the next day I would just add it in and go, okay, I went over calories by a thousand. So I'm going to fast on Sunday and I'm going to pull back some carbs or fats to just make sure I balance it out for the week. And it's going to be fine because I basically don't do anything but sit around on the couch all day Sunday. Mm -hmm. I just relax, you know, maybe get some work done, maybe go on a walk, but nothing crazy. So it's easy for me to pull back those calories. However, for a lot of people that can cause some negative relationship with food, some binge and restrict habits, right? Where it's like, I'm I'm restricting and then I'm going to binge and then I'm restricting. So there's some clients I have where I'm like, Hey, I don't want you to do anything. If you go over, chalk it up as a bad day, get back on the diet the next day. Don't worry about it. Um, or those are the people I'm really like, Hey, like, let's make sure we just focus on protein during the day in the morning so you can have enough calories at night to, to have fun and enjoy. Um, and I mean, we did, like I said, we did the alcohol research review and it, I mean, it showed if you fit alcohol in your calories, like you're going to lose weight just fine. Um, I would argue that you might not build as much muscle as possible. So if you're really, really after like a great physique, I probably wouldn't drink every day in your calories. I would have drink like once a week. Yeah. Um, if you have hormonal issues, I probably wouldn't 
drink alcohol either because that can be a whole separate topic of, of causing issues or exacerbating issues. But um, in general, you can fit it in. You'll be fine. For sure. So. Um, all right. So the next question. The hardest part for me about that, just to add one of the things, I used to be really good about this. Like when I was competing, when I competed and I was like really into like being trail time, I yeah. just drink vodka. Just drink yeah. vodka all the time because I was like, oh, just club wow. soda, vodka with a lime in it. I'm cool. I'm just drinking to get a buzz. Yeah. So I didn't care. And now I'm like, man, like, one, vodka doesn't taste good. Two, like, I like beer. Like, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy, like, good beer. So it sucks because now I'm like, man, like, I really love, like, dark beer. Like, they have all the pumpkin beers out now. They're, like, the highest calorie beers you can get. Oh, yeah. I got one uh, last week that was a, it was a Legion, and it was a pumpkin. I saw that pumpkin espresso or latte or something so it had like like coffee mocha <laughs> pumpkin beer so fucking good but it's like that was my dinner yeah, <laughs> it was like fast. 500 calories in a fucking 16 ounce bottle Jeez. <laughs> and i'm like shannon you want to share this she's like yeah pour a glass takes one sip i don't like it yeah i don't know I'm drinking cold things <laughs> but that's the only downside or it turns into one vodka soda to seven yeah yeah they're so easy to do yeah that's actually why I enjoy whiskey now too. You have a glass of whiskey, uh, you let it let the ice melt a little bit, and it's actually enjoyable. But you can't chug it, nor do you want to, because you paid so much money for the fucking bottle. Yeah, like no. And I would never pay that much for a bottle of vodka. No, because no. they all taste the same. Yeah, I mean, unless you're getting fucking no. what is it, three star? Yeah. Why would you name a brand three star? It's just saying you're not quite five stars. <laughs> you you sell it to a whole different demographic. Yeah, true. <laughs> Mediocre vodka. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next one comes from Katie Wood, twenty-seven. It says, "How do you how do you know maintenance calories after being in a deficit for over a year?" Oh shit, this is like a very similar question. Yeah, it's a different person, right? Yeah, this is a different person. The first one was about reverse dieting, I think. How do I know what my maintenance is after being Katie Mitchell? This is Katie Wood. That's weird. <laughs> Um, Did she just flip over to Instagram and yeah. ask the same question? <laughs> she might have. The other yeah. one was via email. I, I mean, think. I don't know how much you have to answer it. You literally answered it. Yeah, I think I answered that one pretty well. I would check out the reverse diet thing because it's basically going to give you the go answer. Go half, halfway to your yep. old maintenance. Yep, go halfway up. All right, last question is from Mark McGinnis. 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 Yeah, Mark. I ran through your nutrition manual, and it suggests that someone doing a high-intensity training, CrossFit in my case, should be eating 2958 calories for high and maintenance. I'm 174 pounds. I eat approximately 3,300 every day and mostly feel fine performance-wise, but my weight hasn't changed in three months. I tried recently to up my calories a bit more and just felt like I got fat really fast, except my weight only went up about a couple pounds. Could I be doing something wrong? I weigh and measure everything to the best of my ability. Um, it's got to be very small and meticulous. Yeah, I think like that's one of those things where like your your maintenance is obviously over what you were what you got calculated out of the nutrition manual mm-hmm. because it told you to what twenty eight I think yeah. he said and he was eating thirty three so thirty three hundred is probably your maintenance. Um, twenty nine fifty eight. Almost 3,000. Oh, okay. So very close. But he w- if he was at 3,300 maintaining his weight, I would say that's his maintenance. But for somebody with your experience level, your goals of gaining weight slowly, obviously, because you gained fat and you were not happy about it. So you're obviously, are, you don't want to rush the process. You want to just build muscle. A um, couple things I would do. Number one, I would make sure your protein's high enough. I know I feel like I say that all the fucking time, but, um, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true. And like when we talk about like, you know, 
when you increase your carbs higher and higher and higher, if he's doing 3,300 calories, I got to imagine he's having quite a bit of carbs. Like I wasn't even up to that when I was in my bulk. But, um, and I was having a lot of carbs. But if your carbs are that high, you're starting to get more and more and more protein from trace protein sources. So you're getting protein from nuts and peanut butter and broccoli and Brussels sprouts and potatoes. Protein that's, it's okay, but there's a reason why vegan or vegetarian protein isn't as good as animal protein. So the first thing I would say is like, I would probably bring your protein up higher than normal because now you're going to get more protein from high quality protein sources, animal sources with good amino acid profiles. Uh, That would be my first thing. So if you bumped up hundred calories, make sure that some of those calories are actually protein. Now, if you're already getting enough protein, if you're eating over your body weight and protein and you already got this covered, then don't worry about that. You probably just jumped up calories too quick. Like I see a lot of people that are like, okay, it's so there's like a 3,500 calorie rule, right? Like 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat. So if we cut 500 calories per day, seven days a week, that's 3,500 calories because 500 times seven is 3,500, which means one pound of fat loss per week. Perfect formula. I'm just going to drop 500 calories every day. I'm going to get to my weight. Oh. A lot of times it does work. Yeah. But after a while, it won't work. And depending on your hormonal profile, your stress, all that stuff, your metabolism, it might not work as well as it theoretically should. It doesn't add up that way. Now, muscle mass, one pound of muscle mass is not the same calorically speaking, as one pound of fat. So you can't just add 500 calories and expect to gain a pound of muscle a week. And a lot of people thought that. So I would ask first, like, how many calories are you bumping up? Because a lot of times as a, did he say how old he was? He don't believe so. Um, Nope. If you're advanced or you've been lifting for over five years, if you're over the age of 30. I mean, he says uh, doing high intensity training CrossFit, I mean, didn't say how old he is, but it says how he's probably training yeah. pretty hard. And my point is, is you, you probably should increase calories by like 50 to 100, which is barely anything. It's a very, very small amount of calories. I think maybe 25 grams carbs. Like, yeah. like it's, it's a very small bump up in calories, but it's, it's like, you got to think about it. If you're at maintenance and this maintains your body fat and your muscle, if you bump up, you one, you have to bump up with protein and carbs. I wouldn't bump up in fat. And you have to bump up such a small amount that your body just kind of kicks into more anabolism. So it's, it's going to be anabolic. It's going to start building, but not enough to store anything. You have to use the calories you're doing. And muscle is very, very, it takes a long time to grow. So I always say like genetically and physiologically speaking, you're not going to gain more muscle from eating more food. So if you went into a 100-calorie surplus versus a 500-calorie surplus, you're going to build the same amount of muscle It's because it's all dependent on your training. Yeah. Now, if you did a 100-calorie surplus with a shitty training program and 500 with a great training program, of course, you're going to build more muscle on the, the one with the great training program. But if you have a great training program and you bump up just a little bit, it's going to be this, you're going to build the same net amount of fat or muscle, but it's going to take more time to gain weight yeah. because you're not gaining as much fat. Yeah. And there's studies to prove this. And this yep. is why, like natural bodybuilders take so fucking long to get a result, right? They're in off season for a year plus just trying to slowly build muscle. And then they're in prep cutting for six to 12 months. Like it's, it's a long process because in order to lose fat without losing muscle and in order to build muscle without gaining fat, you have to go slow in both directions. It's just the best way to go. Um, that being said, the only other thing I would say is like if you're struggling to gain quality muscle mass and you're only doing CrossFit, I would probably do something else. There's nothing wrong with CrossFit. I always say like if you're if you're gaining strength, if you're building muscle, if you enjoy it, you should still do it. But 
at the end of one of the days that's easier or on your off day, throw in some fucking curls, throw in some lateral raises, throw in some shrugs, throw in some sit-ups, throw in some leg extensions or hamstring curls. Whatever you're not doing in CrossFit, hitting the muscle groups you're not hitting, hit those on one extra day a week or something because you're just going to add a little bit more volume and that will help you build muscle. Oh. So, and a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. Well, that is the last question. So, anyway, um, yeah, we'll link that reverse diet blog and any other announcements? Um, no announcements. Uh, like I said, people who are coaches, just stay tuned for the uh, the next round of the mentorship. We got a, we got a while, but we're gonna have a ton of testimonials and a lot of good data from this first one. Um, and there's already so much engagement. I think the coolest thing is really just giving all these newer coaches a place to troubleshoot their clients because they're already asking questions going, hey, like I have this client that's going through this. I don't know what to do. And it's like, all right, well, that's what it's for. Here's four options from me. Here's four options from Caroline. And then Brandon's like, here's the research that that backs that up. And we're like just answering questions. Super cool. But I think people are going to get a ton out of it. Like I'm actually more, not necessarily more excited, but like pleasantly surprised with how smooth it's going, how great it's going in like after day one, like people got access to the portal and started getting all the shit and started messaging me on Instagram and emailing me and saying like, dude, this is so dope. Like oh. they're, they're really getting a lot of it. That's sick. So, um, so that, and that was the test is like, okay, like let's see how this goes. And then if it goes well, we're definitely gonna run it again. And I think at this point we already know, like we're hundred percent going to run this again. Dope. So we'll, did you just launch it this Monday? Uh, it, yeah, it launched on Monday. So September 21st, October, November, December, and then we'll probably launch in the early Early January, so probably not January 1st, but yep. something along those lines. Because then we'll have like a Christmas break yep. of a couple of weeks to yep. recoup, get ready, um, and we'll, launch we'll again. We'll announce it before then, though. Yeah, 100%. Um, other than that, no announcements. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Yep. I appreciate you. Yep. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more again to get you better results. The second thing, Head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here, and I'll see you next time.